Hey, good morning, East Point. Uh, we're glad you joined us this morning. And uh, it's our last week where we're, ex- where we're exclusively online. Next week, we're going to be in person with Graduation Sunday. And I know it's going to be a gr- glorious day. It'll be a celebration for sure. And we look forward to that day. But today, today is a special day as well. It's Father's Day. And I've entitled the message, Born for Adventure. Where are you, men of courage? And we're going to be looking out of Numbers 13. And um, we're excited. Uh, uh, just about, I'm excited about this message. I think that there's some good things in here. And I pray that fathers and men, you are going to be listening today and you'll just be able to take something um, from this message with you. And uh, um, I, hope it's, I hope it's good. But Numbers 13. And to set up Numbers, it's a story of Israel after their exodus from slavery to Egypt. And at the beginning of the book, they're staying at Mount Sinai where they had just been given the Ten Commandments. And they entered into this covenant with God. And there they took this census and hence the, the, uh, the title Numbers. But at Mount Sinai, God sets up his presence there through the tabernacle. And each of the 12 tribes were strategically camped around this tabernacle, establishing God at the center. And they created all these purity laws, you know, to keep the camp pure and to make God feel welcome there. They stayed at Mount Sinai for about a year when this, when the cloud of God's presence lifts from the tabernacle and it starts leading him into the desert and the desert of Paran. And it's towards the promised land. So you remember that, you know, that's their goal. They want to get out of Egypt, out of slavery and into the promised land. When God told Moses to send men from each tribe into the promised land, maybe you remember the song, 10 were good, 10 were bad and two were good. That's where we're at. All right, they're sending men into the promised land. They're in the desert of Paran and they're gonna find out if this, you know, what they need to do, this preparations. And so Moses sends them in. Lord said to Moses, hey, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from their each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders, each of the 12 tribes. So the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And then it gives us some instruction. And we're going to skip down to verse 26 here. It says, they came back after 40 days. They returned exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community to Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We, want, we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with them said, we can't, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. 
we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. To start off, I want each of you to just imagine that you were a boy again and you're awoken by your dad who says, hey son, you want to go on an adventure today? Come on, grab your stuff. Let's go. And I just can't imagine that feeling or imagine so many of us not being able to say, yeah, dad, let's go. Let's get out there. Let's do this. And I remember going on an adventure with dad. It was similar to that. And we were going up to Minneapolis and it was my turn to go with dad. We'd always take turns whenever dad would go on trips. It was my turn uh, this time to go with dad. And we were going up to the Twin Cities and, and it really didn't matter where we were going. I was excited to be with dad. And I remember uh, coming into the cities, all the cars, all the big buildings, all the people. I remember all of a sudden turning downtown through all the buildings and there it was. One of the greatest uh, things my eyes had ever seen. It was the Metrodome, the place where my favorite baseball team played, the Minnesota Twins. And I said, dad, look at that. And he says, I know. I said, can we go, dad? He says, yeah, I've got tickets. And I was so excited that dad was taking me um, to go see the Minnesota Twins. And it was a great night. And I can remember that night though, to save money. My dad wasn't um, the greatest spender in the world. He is, he is a little bit cheap on the cheap side. I don't know, maybe I get some of that from him. But he decided instead of staying at a hotel, we were going to camp out. And we weren't just gonna camp out at a campsite. We were gonna camp out in this park. And so we, we set up in this park and we got our tent just about set up when all of a sudden uh, this police rolls by and he's got his lights on. I thought, oh no, you know, we've done something, done something wrong. And I don't know what my dad said to him, um, but it was definitely illegal that we were camping out in this park. But the, 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 uh, uh, the police officer let us, let us stay there for the evening. And it, it may have been better if he just arrested us. We would have had a more peaceful night of sleep because during the night there was a big rainstorm and we left the flaps up through the windows. And whenever we woke up the next morning, we were just soaked. We were soaked. And uh, it wasn't the greatest night, but I can remember thinking what a great time I had with my dad. And if I could do it all over again, I definitely would definitely do that in a heartbeat. Those are the days that I still look forward to, where I just set off and don't know how the day is going to go, but we just can't wait to see. You can't wait to experience something new, a great adventure, overcome some obstacle, find victory over a foe or an element, be the exhilaration of conquering a challenge. We were definitely made for adventure. And that is why in Numbers, it's so disheartening to God when 10 of the 12 spies came back from the land that they had been promised, that they had been promised through Abraham and they declared, nope, we can't do it. It had to be so disheartening for God. What do you mean we can't do that? What do you mean we can't have it? What do you mean we can't take it? I mean, these spies surely would have known that God had promised this land to them through their forefather, Abraham. Not only did God promise the land to Abraham's descendants, but he promised to make them into a great nation, a blessing to all nations after them. 
This was their destiny. These spies knew how it had also been promised to Abraham's beloved son, Isaac. These spies knew how Joseph had gone into the pit, into slavery, into prison, and then into second in command to save his people. Not only had God promised each of them that that they would do this together, but he was going to be with them each and every time, each and every one of them. They just needed to have faith. And these spies had just witnessed, they had just witnessed God freeing their people from slavery in Egypt, the parting of the sea, the 10 plagues. And now this is their chance. This is their destiny. This is their moment. And this was their adventure. This was their mountain to climb and their hill to conquer. And after 40 days of seeing and experiencing this land in Canaan, this promised land of God's goodness, they came back and it was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land bountiful in resources. It was a land of opportunity. They came back and they said, no, it's too risky. It's better to just play it safe. Better safe than sorry. And God's response was not good. He said, how long, in, in Numbers 14, 11, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? And he was ready to strike them down. God the Father had, des- had designed us for adventures, for his adventures. And only two, Joshua and Caleb, mustered enough courage and trusted God enough to go on this adventure. And only they were willing to go, only they were willing to say this. He says in Numbers 14, seven through nine, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us us do not fear them translation yeah dad let's go i can't help but think how one day god whispered into so many great people's great people of the bible's ear hey son you want to go on adventure and their response was yeah dad let's go i mean men like noah and david abraham and isaac samuel and Moses, and Esther, and Joseph, and Nehemiah, and the list goes on. And Rick's preached about several of these in the past few weeks. And I can't help but think that there was this conversation even between God and his son, where God says, son, are you ready for an adventure? I've sent all kinds of miracles and signs and prophets, and these people still don't get it. And it's time, it's time to conquer sin. It's time to conquer death. They need a savior. I will send me, my son. And Jesus' response, yeah, dad, let's go. So he came and he reestablished those purity laws. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. He came and he redefined the promised land. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He came and he reinterpreted our our adventure. 
And I can't help but think in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And surely I am with you until the very end of the age. I can't help but think that in that statement, Jesus is whispering to each one of us, hey, you want to go on an adventure? On my adventure? And what's our response? I mean, what do we do? When God invites you into adventure, it's a special moment. It's a divine moment. It's an eternal moment. You won't get many, and so we need to make sure that we're prepared. Be ready with a quick and confirm. And firm, yeah, Dad, let's go. And here's the thing. Man, you were born for this adventure. God doesn't want you to flounder in the wilderness for 40 years. He wants you to live a life that matters, a life that makes a difference. He wants you to your life to live on before beyond your years here on earth that is satisfying, that has purpose. So much of our lives are are spent chasing after success in this world and God is when God has called us to live a life of significance. We run after control and comfortability when we should be solely running after Christ and Christ alone. It's not easy. It's not easy. In fact, without a doubt, this will be one of the toughest things that you will ever do. And really a telltale sign, kind of the litmus test that this calling, that this adventure is from the Lord is if you can't do it on your own. If you can do this adventure, if you can do this task on your own, it isn't a calling from the Lord. He he has to be part of it. Is the way that we know that that calling, that, that he's calling you to this adventure. For each one of us, if we look through scripture, we see that God has given us a work to do. He's given us a work to do, a will to obey, and for so many, a woman to love. If we're chasing after worldly success in our will, then these things can get so easily muddled and chaotic. And that's why Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And he shows us the way. He shows us the way. He was consistently doing the will of his father. He laid his life down for his bride, the church, and he finished the work that he was given when he came to do what he did on the cross. And on this Father's Day, there is is no way, there is no way I'm gonna leave out the fact that I want, and I want to emphasize this calling as a man. If, If you have someone who refers to you as dad, it's time to man up and provide for and love and nurture your family and to fulfill these roles, a will to obey or a calling to answer, a work to do, a woman to love and a family to nurture. Micah 6, 8 says this, as this calling for man, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. It takes a man of integrity. It takes a man of commitment, a man of character, and definitely a man of courage to fulfill these roles. And so men of courage, I think that so many times we have distorted what courage is. We look at courage as someone who is willing to risk their life by climbing Mount Everest or jump out of an airplane or ride a a bull for eight seconds. 
And a court, but according to Dr. Robert Lewis, author of Men's Fraternity, he breaks it down this way. A real man, a man of courage, is one who rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects a greater reward, God's reward. Going through Dr. Lewis's Men's Fraternity and learning under Dr. Lewis, I decided I would frame these words for my son's room when he was just a young Boy, I pray that he knows and understands these words and applies them to his heart and to his life more than anything. I pray that he lives out these words and he lives a life of significance. If he lives out these words, he'll make an impact on this world for Jesus Christ. If he lives out these words, he'll be a blessing to his family and to his wife and to his community. If he lives out those words, I know that his life will outlive his own. So what is that calling for each one of us? First of all, men of courage, we need to reject passivity. It wasn't that the 10 spies didn't want to enter that promised land. They came back with reports that the land was great. It was flowing with milk and honey. Look at this fruit, but the people are huge. There's no way. There's no way we feel like grasshoppers. It's too risky. Since the beginning of time, man has taken that path of least resistance and it's been a detriment to all of mankind. In Genesis 3, God has given Adam and Eve one rule and Satan comes and tries to convince them that God must be hiding something from them. Everyone knows that Eve was the first to eat of the fruit. And so where was Adam during this time? In Genesis 3, 6, it says that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to, her, to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Where was Adam at this critical moment in history? Right there doing nothing. Edmund Burke wrote, the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Sometimes in life, we men can be so decisive and focused in things that don't matter. But when it comes to our families and our marriages and our commitment to Jesus Christ and to the church, we can be content to be a spectator on the sidelines. We can choose that path of least resistance. And that is not what God intended for your life. And the church and your family and you are suffering for it. You're paying the penalty. Men of courage, we need to make a decision today to step up and be present, be a voice and stand for what is right and what is good. It is too risky to play it safe. Second of all, men of courage, we need to accept responsibility. If you read through numbers, it is amazing how much criticism Moses endures. Over and over and over again, he heard, why have you taken us out of the desert, into the desert to die? Take us back to Egypt. Even his sister and brother criticized him. And now the 10 spies not only come back with unfaithful reports, but they also stir up the people against Moses. It says in verses 31 and 32, but the men had gone up with them and said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than us. 
and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it and all the people we saw there are of great size. And that night, all the people wept and raised their voices. If only we had died in Egypt and the assembly talked about stoning them. And what was Moses' response? If you read through 14, you'll see that his response was this. He asked God to forgive his people. There would be punishment because there's always consequence to sin, but the Lord forgave them. If there is one thing about accepting leadership, accepting responsibility, is that there is going to be criticism. There is going to be tough times, but understand that when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you're not on a quest for man's approval, but rather for God's approval. When you said yes to Christ, you said yes to sacrifice. You said yes to forgiveness, to loving your neighbor, to going the extra mile. When you said yes to your wife, you said yes to loving her as Christ loved the church. You said yes to commitment, not compromise. Good marriages live and die on compromise. You do this for me and I'll do this for you. Great marriages though, godly marriages thrive on commitment. I will love you no matter what, for rich or for poor, in health and in sickness, for better, for worse, until death do us part. It's not only my commitment to you, but it's my commitment to Jesus Christ. When you said yes to children, when you said yes to kids, you said yes to a great blessing, but also a greater responsibility. You said yes to an amazing relationship filled with love and laughter, but you also said yes to rules filled with challenge and correction. And they need to go hand in hand. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Relationship without rules leads to recklessness. But rules with relationship leads to respect. Always remember that you are the parent and you find ways to connect with your kids. Men of courage, accept that responsibility in good times and bad, in easy or rough times. Thirdly, men of courage, lead courageously. In the movie Courageous, they they try to challenge the fathers to a higher standard. The main character in the movie is the father that loses his daughter to a car accident. And there was guilt. There was guilt in his heart for the father that he was to her. And another character tries to console him and says, but, but you were a good father. You were a good enough father to her. And in response, he's, and still, knowing he still has his son, he just doesn't, isn't connecting with, he says, I don't want to be just a good father. just a good enough father. I want to know exactly what God expects of me. First and foremost, God expects us to say yes to the, fe- to the adventure. Yeah, dad, let's, let's go. I want to be like Joshua and Caleb and say, hey, he will bring us into this land and you will give it to us. Let's go. God's got this. It is so important that your kids know what you love. So important that they know what you love and what you're passionate about. It's important for your kids to hear, I love you. I am proud of you. You are so beautiful. You have what it takes to get the job done. I believe in you. I have your back. I will protect you. 
but maybe the most impactful words they'll, they'll ever hear you say is this, God's got this. He is my king. He is my Lord. God is good. And he is good all the time. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Even greater than hearing you say those words is seeing you living them out, living out your calling, living out that, yeah, dad, let's go. I was so blessed to grow up watching a dad live out his commitment to Jesus Christ. He would take me with him whenever he went to the hospital. He would take me with him whenever he went to the nursing homes. I would get to see him pray with people. I would get to see him serve people. The church was our second home. I saw him in God's word daily. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loved Jesus, that he loved people, and that he was called to serve the church. In fact, our adventure up to Minneapolis we were there because he was there to do a funeral. I saw my first dead person there that might explain a lot, but he also got to an opportunity to explain eternity to me. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Moses gathered all the Israelites and made his farewell speech. And he says this, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. And these scriptures right here in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 are called the mezuzah scriptures. Jewish families still post these on their door frames of their houses. And basically it's saying this, when it comes to matters of faith, the Bible doesn't tell us to take our kids to the priest or take our kids to the synagogue or to the church. Instead, he says, it is your job as parents to share God's love with them, to share God's word with them. It says impress. It says, first of all, you need to be, God needs to be number one in your life. Then impress God's word on your children in everything you do because faith isn't, isn't taught, it's caught. Faith isn't taught, it's caught. And so many fathers use the excuse that they are just too busy to get involved in the church. And you can definitely be a good father without saying yes to the adventure God has for your life. Just don't expect to spend eternity with your kids. 70% of churched youth, and I have seen as high as 90% are leaving the church within a few, few years of leaving the home and not just leaving the church, leaving the faith altogether for so many of them because they fail to see the relevance when their parents, especially their fathers, claim Christ on Sunday, but it has no impact on their lives the rest of the week. I mean, how does your children, how does your children's, how much does your children's eternity mean to you? And is it time that we stand up for Christ and we lead our homes courageously, pray with and for our family, Get into God's word together and serve Christ and others sacrificially. This is so important, not just for your life and your commitment to Jesus Christ, but for your kids to see that. What a blessing. It could mean eternity. 
Fourthly, men of courage expect a greater reward. Real, real briefly, men of courage aren't looking for instant gratification, but rather they are in the battle for the, for the long haul. He has an eternal perspective looking forward, looking forward, hearing the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I want to close today by sharing words from the movie Courageous when he calls men of courage to action. He calls men to stand up, to be the man that God has called them to be. And he, he says this, there are too many fathers that have not accepted their responsibility as a father or as a man. They have been passive or absent for far too long and the church and families are hurting because of it. While so many mothers have sacrificed to help their children survive, they were never intended to carry the weight alone. We thank God for them. But research is proving that a child also desperately needs a daddy. There is no way around this fact. As you know, earlier this year, my family endured the tragic loss of our four-year, of our uh, 11-year-old daughter, Emily. Her death forced me to realize that not only had I taken advantage of the priceless time I had with her, but that I did not truly understand how crucial my role was as a father to her and our son, Dylan. Since her passing, I've asked God to show me, show me through his word, how to be the father that I need to be. I now believe that God desires for every father to courageously step up and do whatever it takes to be involved in the lives of his children. But more than just being there or providing for them, He's to walk with them through their lives and be a visual representation of the character of God, their father in heaven. A father should love his children and seek to win their hearts. He should protect them and discipline them and teach them about God. He should model how to walk with integrity and treat others with respect and should call out his children to become responsible men and women who live their lives for what matters in eternity. And some men will hear this and mock it or ignore it. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence that he has given to you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value, but the souls of your children do. Some will, men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. Instead, they will live for themselves and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who, regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of, the father, of what our fathers did not do for us, will give the strength of arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same and whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. We are inviting any man who has, whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, in my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son or daughter to follow Christ because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. 
who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in, in my family's histories? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it's my privilege to embrace it. And I want favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you? Where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer that call that God has given to you and say, I will, I will, I will go. Fathers, today is your day. And obviously today was a challenge. And I pray a charge to fathers and really all men and even people of, of position and of influence. And I pray that it was definitely challenging, but I don't want to leave without encouragement for the task and role that you play in the lives of the next generation. And just say thank you for how you've accepted that role and stepped into that role. Being a dad is one of the biggest and greatest blessings, greatest adventures that I've been on in my life. But at times it's also been one of the most frustrating. I've never known how much I could love until I had children. I've never known how angry and frustrated I could get as well. But I know that God is calling each one of us to step into this adventure and to reject passivity to lead courageously, to accept responsibility and to expect a greater reward. And that's God's reward. Your actions and your answer to God's calling will not only mean eternity for you, but it could mean eternity for your family as well. Let's pray. God, I just thank you. I thank you for the blessing of fathers. We thank you for how you showed us the way through your son, Jesus Christ. How you promised to be there and to protect. We thank you for those words of encouragement and that gift of being that example of what it means to love, what it means to sacrifice, what it means to give, what it means to encourage, what it means to be a father. God, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have through your son, Jesus Christ. And we are by far not perfect. And we know that you are with us each and every step of the way to fill that gap. And we thank you for that. God, I pray for our fathers. I pray for our people of influence that they keep their eyes fixed and focused on you. They keep their eyes fixed and focused on eternity and what matters in this life. That they leave a legacy that will outlive themselves and live for eternity. We thank you for that way that you've provided for that through your son, Jesus Christ, who is the way and the truth and the life. I pray a blessing on each dad, each family, each person this week. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. A happy Father's Day. Have a blessed week.